0: Let's start silence in five seconds. three, two, one. Oh, and it's a
1: red card. VAR have had a look at this. And Nabil Bentele has been sent off after twelve minutes. Schalke this season, had nine, and through Daniel Caligiuri, completely against
0: the play in the first half. There's that song we all know and love, blau und weiß ein Leben lang, hallo meine Lieben. Wie geht's? Willkommen zum das einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks, officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show, co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing this
1: Monday evening? Good evening, Richard. Good to be with you as always. Let me tell you, man, Mondays are typically pretty brutal days. I like to come home, fix myself a drink. Uh, but this glass of scotch is particularly generous this evening. <laughs> as, as my dear friend Mike LePoint would say, four fingers of happiness going on right now. What a day.
0: Indeed. Indeed. What a weekend. Mm.
1: What is going on? Wow. It's, um, you know,
0: before we really get into the big news of the weekend, which is the game, we're going to, we had some really some confirmation, which was that Max Meyer confirmed he would be leaving Jelsen this offseason. And he also confirmed to us that he is a teenage girl. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, as, as the common trend now with teenage girls here in the United States, uh, and apparently with some pro athletes lately too, Max Meyer has deleted all mention of Schalke on his Instagram and Twitter. Uh, he's not the first to do this, of course, in the U.S. Uh, Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons has done the same um, so uh, this screams unprofessionalism and immaturity jack uh, i don't know what to make of it that's just the beginning of everything um what tell everybody else what else happened uh today in fact
1: yeah so despite previous comments from christian heidel that you know the talks have been you know amicable and, and everyone's been fairly calm apparently a lot of that is, is not true and the, the drama that we've seen unfolding today is absolutely remarkable so Um, what really set all this off, Max Meyer, if if any of you are not familiar, has not been playing recently, has not really featured much over the past few weeks. Um, uh, Apparently, there was a a foot injury or something along those lines that had kept him out last week. Um, After the match, Max Meyer took it upon himself to put it out there publicly that he actually was completely fit, in his opinion and uh, was not held out because of the injury, but for apparently some, some other reasons. Um, at, the, at that point, uh, forgive me if I'm messing up the order of this a little bit, but uh, you know, Shaka President comes out and, and basically you know, criticizes him and says that he's leaving for, for money reasons. Um, and Max Meyer is firing back, saying that he just is, it has something to do with money and that really uh, he's just tired of, of dealing with Heidel and the rest and feels as though he's being bullied. recently which is you know a pretty that's quite an accusation coming from an active player um towards management um so that was that was some of the drama that was happening this past weekend well today monday um it is announced that max meyer has been suspended essentially and has been kind of pushed back to the reserves and will not feature for the first team for the remainder of the season this is a man who's already on his way out of Schalke. He's out of contract at the end of the year. He's gonna be leaving. And he is now officially sort of banished from the first team. This is how acrimonious this has gone. Christian Heidel then went on uh Sky Sports this evening um, for an interview uh and gave us some insight apparently into the conversations that have been happening between the club and, and Max Meyer's uh agent, Roger Vittman, and um, just I mean I don't even I I know I'm rambling at this point already, but this is this is just this is just remarkable. Like what is going I mean, Max Meyer <laughs> Is is a player who we, we saw come up through the youth system was full of promise, you know, burst into the first team picture at a very young age, yeah, um, and then for whatever reason struggled in recent seasons a little bit, kind of plateaued, um, and. He really had this we've talked about this at length on the podcast, obviously. But, you know, under Tedesco, he, he switched into sort of loosely like a number six role from his typical number ten. And his career's seen this great revitalization this season. he's, he's been putting in great performances. He's been a very important player for us. Um and, and apparently in his mind and in the mind of his agent, he is now, because of this, a world class player. <laughs> or at least this is what Christian Heidel is alleging was said. Um, If you haven't seen these quotes, I suggest you go read them. But basically, uh, you know, when Heidel reached out for negotiations in December, apparently uh, Roger Wittmann basically said that uh, unless they are both going to agree that Max Meyer is a world-class talent who would be not only starting, but would be a key, a key player for any top European club in the world. We're talking Barcelona, Real Madrid. Unless they can agree on that as a starting point, there's no point in even uh, Schalke putting forth an offer to re-sign Max Meyer because you know the clubs, the, the two parties will just be so far apart what they think is going on. Um, it, it's incredibly disappointing to see, and as a result of all this nonsense, um, Max Meyer is now going to be leaving Schalke, in probably the most undignified way possible, burning every possible bridge, and you know what could have been a disappointing but fairly gracious exit um, is, is probably one where his legacy at the club is going to be tarnished for quite a long time, if not forever. So I will shut up now and let you uh, contribute to this, Richard. Um, I'm a little heated at the moment, obviously. I couldn't tell. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, go ahead.
0: First of all, I think we both can agree that uh, as far as world class talent. Leon Goretzka might be the only person on the team that can be qualified possibly as that. And even he would not start on Barcelona or Real Madrid or any of the top club teams in the world. So where where the manager or the the agent for Max Meyer thinks he's pulling this out of, I don't know. Because uh, there's very few players in this world that can just go jump on any team in the world starting. Um, So first, let's get that out of the way. Uh, It's ridiculous, really, what this whole saga has turned into. And... um, I know they asked Tedesco, like, about this as well, and he's like, he, he, he admitted that he was puzzled, you know, why the relations between, uh, Max Meyer and the club went so sour. He's, he, his quote was, uh, my impression for a long time was that Max has felt at home here. That's what he expressed to the coaching staff. I'm disappointed at his personal attacks and can't fully understand them as they simply don't add up. Which, you know, it, it's, it's even further, uh, backing up kind of what Heidel says, cause, um, uh, he's, you know, Meyer's claimed that he's being bullied and stuff. Now, now maybe the club is saying, you know, you know, please give us a decision by such, such time so we can make a decision whether to, you know, if we have to move on from you, we can start looking elsewhere. I can see that maybe, but I don't, I don't know about bullying. I mean, hey, it could happen. It's very possible in this day and age. Um, who knows how things were done back in the day. And I'm sure that bullying or bullying or worse could have been, could have been classified, especially in other, other European leagues and, uh, maybe in the Eastern Bloc and whatnot. But this is ridiculous. Um, it's like I said. It, it's talk about boy that escalated quickly. It, this is definitely a um, uh, a Ron Burgundy material here. It's uh, it goes from you know a claim quote unquote foot injury, then it was oh no I'm not I'm not injured. It's it's I don't know, I wonder where where originally it started back. I mean it must have been within negotiations. Uh, I bet you it was that you know Goretzka was offered about twelve million dollars a year, and he was offered only uh, what was it five yeah, million a five, year? Yeah, five so, something like that. Yeah. And if his agent is claiming that he's world class, which, which you could say that Goretzka is, and I, that's where I guess he was hoping to get $12 million. And that's, I mean, it all, it all kind of went sour. I think maybe Heidel uh, hit, this, hit this the wrong way because they, they knew both Goretzka and Meyer were were up, their contracts were up this year. And they made a full out blitz to try and get uh, Leon Goretzka, and they kind of left Max Meyer in the wing. And that may be kind of where it turned sour. Maybe Max Meyer didn't feel like he was wanted. And then, I mean, at least maybe that's what the agent was gonna you know put in his ear and and get him to believe uh, that uh, you know he was he's not valued at this club and then when he started performing well like you said they said you know what hey we're gonna get we're trying to get the most money trying to be like uh Reno uh, Reno Mayola whatever his name is or Mino Raiola sorry uh, another super agent so um, yeah it's, this is this ridiculous but uh, with the Max I, Spire stuff the difference
1: between Leon Goretzka I mean I've been crit- critical of Leon Goretzka this season particularly in the Rook Arena for some of the performances he's put in. But what is Leon Goretzka doing right now? He's largely keeping his mouth shut. He's keeping his head down. He's on the pitch every week trying to help us qualify for the Champions League and leave this club on as good a note of po- as possible, you know, given the circumstances. Obviously, there are a number of fans who are disappointed in his departure. I am one of them. Um, but he's out there. He's playing. He's trying. Max Meyer is nowhere to be seen. And for a player of Max Meyer's caliber, because Max Meyer is a good player. He's not a world-class player, right? but he's he's a very good Bundesliga player. And I do think, I agree with Christian Heidel's comments, that he has the potential to potentially be a world-class player yeah. one day. It speaks volumes that a club like Schalke, who is trying to qualify for the Champions League, Max Meyer is not only not playing now, but has basically been banished and is not going to play for the rest of the season. That should tell you how disappointed they are in his behavior. Um, I mean, this is... This is this is insane. I, I don't know how it escalated this quickly. Uh, I mean, but once again, you know, everyone was going to be disappointed with Max Meyer's departure. Um, you know, we're we're tired of losing our players, and we're tired of losing them, especially for free. Max Meyer was going to be just another one in the long line of of such players. But to to have it go from that to Schalke basically saying you're done, we don't even want you for the rest of the season. Have fun. Is, yeah. is, is that's such a strong statement from the club and. You know what? Good luck to you, Max Meyer, but I sincerely hope that, that you're able to back up um, you know, the kind of uh, attitude that you're putting forward right now, because for the past couple years, you have not been that great of a player, as evidenced by how little you've seen the pitch. And yeah, you've had a great season. You've turned around. We've all been happy for you. We've been excited about it. But if you think you can just waltz off to Liverpool, Arsenal, a- any club, and... Walk into the starting picture and be a, a dominant player immediately, you got another thing coming to you because you you still have a, quite a bit to prove. And just because you've put in six months, you know whatever of of good performances doesn't really mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. I, you know I sincerely hope that you do not turn out to be another Lewis holpie, yeah who, who thinks he's you know too good for the club and goes out and leaves and then his career basically goes nowhere. um i, I, I you know I'm still rooting for him. I, I hope he turns around. I hope he has a great career. I'm not rooting against him. But, um, you know, happy trails, and I'm really no longer uh, particularly upset that he's leaving because what an attitude problem.
0: Yeah, we kind of saw this in, over the summer. Um, there was talks that he was disgruntled coming to the season, and then uh, especially with all the, with the management turnover and whatnot. But then, you know, like you said, his career got revitalized when becoming a number six. The question now begs, when he does leave, is he going as a number six with another team, or are teams looking at him as a number six or as a 10 like he used to be? I don't see him being successful as a number 10. Uh, I can see him being very successful at number 6. Uh, again, where is he going to go? he's going to go somewhere like Stoke? Is he going to think that they're uh, a top-level team? I don't know. I, I can see a Premier League team. Maybe
1: maybe Wolverhampton are going to sign him now that they're going to Premier League. Question for you. How many assists do you think Max Meyer has this season? How many goals do you think he has okay. in Bundesliga fixtures? Bundesliga? Can't, can't uh, be many.
0: I would say Bundesliga goals maybe – I'll say one. And assists maybe two. I mean, I have
1: to. I'll pull this up at some point during the podcast and fact check that. But um, you know, if he think especially if he thinks he's going to waltz off and be a number ten, a position where he had deteriorated and was not scoring goals, was not creating assists, was not being um, nearly as uh, effective as, as you know a creative player you would put in that position, you would want them to be. Um, he's got another thing coming. I think he's done brilliantly in this holding midfield position. This season, and I I think he has the potential to carry that on and and make that work somewhere else. But, um, I I mean, I don't, I'm a little lost for words. All right,
0: Max Meyer, Max Meyer, 24 games played, 21 games started, over 1700 minutes, zero goals, zero assists, four shots, two shots on goal, um, six yellow cards. Yeah, it doesn't scream much of uh productivity. Uh, and DFP Pekal, he's had four games played, three games started, one goal and one assist. So he had some production there. That goal was obviously against Cologne uh, back in yeah, which December, was a, which was
1: a fluky, fluky goal. Yeah. goal. yeah, I mean, wow. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, what, yeah world world class players, zero goal, zero assist. Okay, Max Meyer, have fun. Yeah.
0: 35-year-old Naldo has uh, seven goals in his defense. Yeah, and once
1: again, Max Meyer is playing in a position where, where I think some of that goal scoring and, and you know, creative uh, burden is a little bit off his shoulders now that he's moved back in the field. But the stats, at least when you talk about offensive production, which obviously the game is more, multi, more, more multifaceted than that, but um, those stats don't exactly back up a, a, a claim as a world-class player
0: no exactly and and what is what is the famous saying that barcelona has mexican club more than one more than a club um you gotta you gotta be bigger than a club you can't just be it'd be all about you um like i said Goretzka is handling this very well he's even stated that i want to leave the club on good terms get them back to champions league and and leave on a good note my clearly doesn't want that and you know if he doesn't want it we don't want us so get you know good riddance and uh, hopefully it'll uh, i'm interested to see how the next game's going to go what the reaction is going to be if if there's anything you know, dramatic obviously the last game he didn't play so i mean it's been brewing for a while but um yeah it's, it's 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 interesting and i don't know what more to say really about it
1: yeah if it's 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 highly unfortunate i guess we'll leave it at that
0: <sighs> anyways i'm done with this nonsense jack uh, let's take it away let's do it Um <laughs> After a salty draw to Cologne last week, um, mostly Jack and I being salty, uh, Schalke are back this weekend, and, and they were in a big heavyweight bout with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, a win for Schalke would lock up the Champions League place for the season uh let's look at this the lineups real quick uh for shalka farman stambouli naldo tilo Kerr, Kalagiri, Goretzka, bentaleb shopf harit konoplyanka and Bergstaller. on the bench we had nubu mckinney and sua di santo piazza toiker Ochipka. uh there was no imbolo due to an injury he picked up in the cologne match which we can confirm and then there was no max meyer on the bench jack uh and as you alluded, uh, it was claimed that he picked up a foot injury during training, but I'm not buying that. Uh, what about you?
1: I don't know. Um, and the one thing I will say going back to what we were just talking about in the previous segment is that none of us are obviously in there in the trenches. So we don't know the whole story. We don't know what's right, going on. Right. So I, I guess it is possible that you know maybe some of his comments could have some air of truth to them, although I do find that unlikely. But anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, he picked up a knock apparently in training midweek. Uh he felt like he was good to go or apparently was cleared by one of the physios um in time for the game this weekend. But according to him, Tedesco told him that it would be better if he just waited until training next week to kind of rejoin the squad and not not to push it, I guess. Um, which whether or not that's the true reason why he didn't play, um, whether or not Tedesco was just saying that and really just didn't want to play him because of the situation surrounding his contract negotiations with the club, um, you know, I'll leave that up to to you to decide. But uh, yeah, it, it certainly sparked off all of the events that we've just touched upon.
0: And I guess the previous week is, I guess, really when he picked up the injury. And I guess he originally the club did want him to get an MRI on it, and he refused that. And so I guess I say it, it's so ridiculous how the story has evolved, and who knows what's right and what's wrong. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't on. He wasn't on the bench, obviously, and uh, Noam Bolo. Uh, what would you make of the lineup? Pretty standard for the most part. Uh, your boy was not in the lineup, DeSanto, <laughs> uh, so I had to make you happy, um, even though he did feature in this match. Uh, but other, other than that, um, Shope, Shope was in the match, and he did not play on the right wing. He was on the left wing. Um,
1: yeah, pretty standard lineup. Kinda uh, Kanaplyanka, Ben Taleb, all players that have been getting a run in the side recently where maybe they hadn't been as much uh, earlier in the season, but I think all three of them have been playing pretty well recently, particularly Kana Plianca. Um, Yeah, Shupf is, is out on the left. Uh, there was a while when he was coming in in games where Caligari was also involved, where Caligari would swap over to the left-hand side rather than his typical right, but apparently they have sorted that out recently, and Shupf has basically been replacing Ochipka, which is pretty interesting. I think you and I had kind of speculated earlier that maybe they were just giving him a rest yeah, because uh, Ochipka is you know very much a workhorse and has been playing a bunch of minutes, but uh, it looks like maybe to some extent Shupf have just been uh, favored over him, which is which is interesting, but uh, you can't really disagree with it all that much. I think he's been pretty solid so far. not not exactly lighting the world on fire, but putting in good shifts. and uh, yeah, you know with uh, Mastasic out for the rest of the season, you have that stambouli uh duo in the back line where previously usually had only been one of those featuring at a time.
0: Yeah, and, uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right about, um, Alessandro Shoff putting in a good performance. is really the only thing missing is the, is the free kick service, you know, that a Chipka brings. Uh, other than that, that's, that's really all the Chipka's been bringing in the time that he's been in as of late. Uh, so it's, it's, it's curious, uh, that he's been, you know, sitting here more because, you know, for the hot-handed, I guess, Alessandro Schoff, if you want to call it hot-handed. Um, Looking over at, uh, at the Gladbach side, uh, their lineup Sommer, Elvedi, Ginter, Vistagard, Vint, Hoffman, Kramer, Zachariah, Hazard, Rafael, former Chaco player, and Lars Stendel. Um, obviously, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Lars Stendel, who's going to be the big danger man for you, Jack. Uh, I know it was certainly for me. Um, he's 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 beat us in the past, and so it's a guy I'm always worried about.
1: Yeah, Stendel's a great player, uh, caused us. Fitz, last time uh these two teams met torgen hazard as well very good player rafael as you said former schalke man very good bundesliga professional uh kramer this is a this is a pretty good gladbach team maybe haven't had quite the season they would have hoped for but this is still a team that has has quite a bit of talent and uh, is not one to be taken lightly
0: no certainly not and uh you want to know how much how dangerous this team are? They're actually uh, a big bogey team for Bayern, and they 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 usually uh, their results favor it towards them actually uh, when you play against the big uh, the big uh, Bavarian giants. Um, so yeah, let's get into this match. Um, and the match started as you would expect in this match, of uh, the magnitude of this match very cagey. I thought uh, right from the right from the start, um, a lot of sloppy pay- plays, uh, teams filling each other out, but they were still playing very aggressive. Um, in the eighth minute, uh, Thorgan Hazard he blew by Istanbuli like he wasn't even there. Uh, he ended up centering a pass that was cleared by uh, Alessandro Schoff that went right to Raphael, who was wide open. Uh, but he shanked it from what I think six yards out, Jack. Uh, that was had to be a danger sign for Schalke that uh, it, was, uh, it was some some bad stuff was coming uh, and, and they gotta had to figure out a way to to stop it because obviously the combination of Hazard and Raphael was already posing a threat early on.
1: Yeah, Torgon Hazard, obviously an excellent player. Uh, I think that's something that we have seen from Schalke recently. A very good defensive team, obviously, but when they when a team has a player, particularly a player um, on the left wing that is capable of getting in behind and then and then playing a ball, you know, across from sort of the end line, that seems to be a situation that gives. Schalke fits. whether you want to talk about uh, Ito maybe from, from Hamburg or yeah. other performances recently sort of in that vein. I thought that was kind of what we were seeing early. And then, as you say, Rafael, uh, an absolute sitter, pretty much an open net from, what, maybe five yards Yeah, was, tops it. and just absolutely whiffs on it and somehow pops up in the air where it's pretty harmlessly dealt with. But that could have been uh, an early tap in.
0: Yeah, and uh, it looked like possibly the soccer gods would be uh, going against Gladbach because just, uh, just moments later, uh, after Calagiri swung in a cross, to, uh, Gladbach tried to bring out the ball, and uh, Elvedi loses the ball somehow right to Konoplyanka, and then he goes down in and he tries to feed Bergstahl to back door, uh, but Vestegaard luckily for Gladbach was there to block the ball and get rid of it. Uh, it was very close to a, a big error by Gladbach in a, in a game of this magnitude.
1: Yeah, end-to-end stuff early, both teams with, with chances early in this match. And I guess from the neutral perspective, that's what you'd love to see with a fixture of this magnitude Two teams that are uh, getting after it early.
0: Yeah, so this, these teams seem like they're very uh, evenly matched. Uh, uh, two teams that are very, you know, like I said before, they're they're, they're two Bundesliga heavyweights. They're, they're known for being around the Champions League uh, spots uh, every year. Uh, but things got a little bit spicy, Jack. In the 11th minute, Bentaleb, hard foul on Lars Stindl. Stindl gets up right away, gets in his face. Bentaleb raises his hand and, uh, I guess, taps him in the head. I don't know, taps Stindl in the head. Stindl does his best Italian and dives terribly. Um, Ref is there. He gives him a yellow. Uh, VAR though, gets involved, and it says that Bentaleb gets a straight red, and he is ejected. What?
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> VAR strikes again, right? Uh, first of all, yes, it's a hard foul by Ben Taleb uh, in terms of you know, the impact of it. It is not a dangerous foul by Bentaleb by any stretch of the imagination in my opinion from what I saw and certainly not deserving of the reaction that, that Stindl gave to it you know immediately popping back up tracking Bentaleb down and you know kind of shoving him um, I thought that was a little over the top from from Stindle Bentaleb rather inexplicably decided to react to that shove by as you said tapping him on the head um, I, I guess you could say that he struck him but it yeah. wasn't really like a slap or a punch It was kind of like like a Three Stooges type like you know like just kind of goes like like he was grabbing something from behind his ear or anything. Not anything. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, not anything particularly violent. I mean, yeah, and as Sindel just falls to the ground immediately, which is laughable. Uh, But I mean, honestly, it's the right call. You can't be doing that. Uh, as soft as that was in terms of, you know, I think the intent behind it and the actual contact that was made, because once again, I don't think Benteleb was really winding up and swinging at him at all. Julie really just kind of tapped him on the head. Um, you can't put your hands on another player's head. You can't strike somebody like that. So, uh, you know, VAR took a look at it, whistled down to the ref, changed it to a red card, and you can't, I, I can't argue with it. Can you?
0: <sighs> well, originally, yeah, it was a hard foul, and no doubt about it. It was certainly a yellow for the foul. Um, and then, you know, Stindle gets up in his face. Really what Bentaleb should have done is let him get, let him get close enough. And as soon as he got close enough to touch, he, he goes and dives. Maybe he would have got a card for that and it would have, you know, washed out. Um, but yeah, you do not, you, I mean, I don't like the red at all, but you don't raise your hand to another player. Uh, maybe he, at the last split second, he realized that this is not a good idea and he tried to hold back and just, that's why you only tapped him instead of like really hit him hard. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but um, as much as I hate to admit it, it, it was a deserved red. Um, it put us in a big pickle really early, uh, especially it was – and Gladbach were already pretty much owning the possession and, and up to this point, and this is when it was 11-on-11. 11 11. Um, Schalke had that one opportunity where Aldadi uh, screwed it up, but other than that, it was pretty much all Gladbach. And then Bentaleb goes and does this. Uh, he doesn't think about the team, and, and he gets too fiery in that situation, and then he gets a red and, and puts Schalke in a big, big hole. Um, so that happened in the 11th minute. It took several minutes to sort this out. Bentaleb had to get off the pitch.
1: Um, a lot of people that I was seeing on Twitter, Schalke fans, were very angry about this decision. Uh, and once again, as far as striking somebody in the head goes, this is about as soft as you can possibly get. Absolutely. And so I understand the anger at you know a red card and, and also the acting job from Stendel. but bottom line is you can't do that. It's in the laws of the game, and it, it's just a moment of madness from Bentaleb, and he deserved to be sent off.
0: And we'll get to Stindl and his and his antics a little bit later. Um, maybe a little karma again there, but uh through 15 minutes. Gladbach had better the play, obviously aided by the red card. But even before that, like I said, Jack, uh, I thought they were they they looked better. The two teams creating creating more opportunities uh, again as Hazard, you know, being a hazard over there against Hey-oh. Uh, um, Hey-oh. Hey-o. Hey-o. Uh, but. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, it, it seems to be a, a common thread that teams go down our left flank, like you said, and, and take advantage of Stambouli or sometimes care if he's back there. Um, so we need to get that resolved. And it's 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 kind of inexplicable, inexplicable because Kalagiri is actually pretty good defensively, and I maybe he's not falling back as, as, as well as he can to help the defense out. I'm not sure. But um, there's a couple of plays in this game where Kalajiri made some outstanding defensive plays from the wing. So uh, we know he can do it. He's certainly a two-way player. Quick question about
1: that, since you so you put so, ah, Wow, I am just struggling today to get my words out. Um, so Max Meyer, Max Meyer, oh, yeah, so angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't you think it's interesting because the the positioning of, of Carer and Stambouli back when one only one of these players was typically on the field at a time. Both of them would be playing in that in that right back position. You know, the rightmost of those three center backs. That's where Kara normally plays if Nastasic is on the pitch. Right. Kara is a much more athletic player than Stambouli. Has better recovery speed. Um, do you not find it interesting that in a match like this, when you have somebody as dangerous as Hazard is on the left hand side, that you would not maybe switch the position of Kara and Stambouli?
0: You'd either do that or you would, you know, assign whoever the right wing is. And in this case, Daniel Kilagiri more defensive responsibilities to help him out because you knew, you know, how much of a, um, uh, troublemaker this player is going to be to for you. Uh, so it's one of those two things, you know, either put care over there and, and and put some bull on the other side. But then, you know, if you do do that, you do switch to the two backs what happens if, if Hazard goes on the other side, you know? Then you got to switch back, you know? So you, you, I think maybe add some def- defensive responsibilities, not only for the six uh, who was bent to live in this position, where it was, yeah. um, <laughs> but Caligiri and Shuffles and the wingbacks need to come back and help because, you know, what was so big about this system early on in the season is that the wingbacks were coming back to help and make it a five-man defense. That's what yeah. Hoffenheim did last year. This is what we were doing this year. Um, but we haven't been doing that as of late, and it's, and it showed in the um, – yeah. when. Teams uh, take advantage of us in that, in that situation. I just
1: right? think the Hamburg match, Booty was in that position as well and got eaten alive. Oh, yeah. And actually, now that I think about it, was Kara playing in Caliguri's role in that match? He might have been. Yeah. If that if that's the case, then never mind because I guess Ita just burned both of them. But anyway, I think in a match like this where you have a a presence that you know is probably going to cause you problems, you might want to go with the the more athletic. Uh, Rangy, pacey choice rather than Stambouli, who is as good as he has been filling in in that role this season and kind of trying to transition to that position. Uh, he has some liabilities in in that department.
0: Yeah, uh, and I'm with you. I'm with you there. Um, and it's uh, I, I was curious what the formation would be once Bentaleb left, but you saw it right away uh, on the sideline. Um, Tedesco was yelling out three, three, two, one uh, for the formation. Uh, you know, which it's funny because you know we look at it on paper as it's a front three, right? Uh, Hary, Konoplyanka, and Berkseller, or whoever whoever the three are up there. Uh, and it seems like in in Tedesco's eyes, it's a two one, where the you know Konoplyanka and Hary are more like the the they're right just behind Berkseller. Berkseller is the lone, lone striker, which I didn't I didn't realize, but it, it kind of made sense when I saw him do that. You know, mentioned that he wanted a three three two one. Uh, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, so. Really, you know, after the red card happened, there was only really one decent chance for Gladbach after that. And that was really, that, that came really before the red card. Shaka, they weren't giving many opportunities away to Gladbach, it seemed. They seemed to tighten up defensively, uh, ironically, when they lost the player. Um, you know, you go over to the 21st minute, Nico Elvedi, Elvedi uh, gets a great chance. Uh, uh, he, you know... I thought Glaubach were going to get the lead here. Uh, he takes a shot. Kerr deflects it and Farman. Uh, he makes a save with his back leg. Uh, he's diving the wrong way, but his leg his leg is right there, and it, it makes a save. Um, I for sure thought Elvetti would get the first goal there.
1: Yeah, once again, I think it was Hazard to Rafael uh, getting in behind on the, yep. on the left-hand side and then just cuts it back, rolls it open to a wide-open Elvedi, who uh, hits it pretty tamely, honestly. Um, I, mean, I think he was just trying to curl it in. Uh, and, and as you said, he got deflected, bounced around, and luckily Fairman was able to get something on it and pop it over. But uh, a lot of space for him to take that shot, and that was a nervy moment.
0: Um, it's a uh, – I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, there was a yellow card in this one. It's uh, in a 26. Vent got a yellow on Caligiri, a pretty hard foul um speaking of caligeri uh, a few minutes after that uh, ralph fairman he ended up kicking it deep uh he was looking for caligeri uh he took it you know past vent uh who just got the yellow on caligeri one-on-one um he found a trailing burksaller who blasted it in uh but sommer sommer was forced to make a save to that point that was probably Schalke's best opportunity other than the the, the chance they had earlier when vestigar made the save um Good, good, good pass out by Farman. Uh, long pass that Calgary was able to get. Calgary went one on one against Vent and just blew by him. And and I thought Burke Berg, Staller needs to do better on those on those finishes. But uh, good play over all around. I thought.
1: Yeah, I mean to be honest, it was a kind of a tough angle for Burke Staller. Uh, he had kind of come in on the right hand side, close to where Calgary was to make himself available for that ball, and uh, he had a defender to his left a little bit that was kind of blocking off part of that angle. And then summer was on the near post. So he, he made great contact with it, hit it near post. Uh, but Summer was there to cover it. And ultimately I think it was a pretty easy save, but it was a good, definitely a good chance. Caligari getting out, showing his pace and making things happen.
0: You know, we're going to, we're going to mention Thorgan Hazard's name a lot. And that's because not because we like him. It's because he was doing damage to Shalke all night long. It seemed like, and they had no answer for him. Um, in the 32nd minute, Gladbach, uh, they, as a team, cut Schalke apart, literally. Uh, Vent had a deep pass to Thorgan Hazard. Uh, he danced around Nalda and Stambouli, really making our defense look uh, shambolic. Uh, slid it over to Stindl, who was onside, and he fed the ball to a wide-open Rafael for a tap-in. Um, all I can say is the defense was, I mean, everybody was just ball-watching in that, in that situation, just watching the play go go back and forth through the Gladbach players.
1: Shockingly similar start to that play as to the Naldo de kind of goal from last week. Yeah. Very similar. Uh, you know, they pick it up in a, kind of a deep midfield position and Hazard is streaking on the left-hand side. It's a beautiful through ball that kind of catches him in stride and he's charging towards the box, cuts in on his right-hand side and he draws several defenders into him when he does that, uh, which leaves Stindle wide open. As you said, Fairman comes out to try to Stop that! And uh, Rafael is just a few feet to his left, uh, who receives the ball, and then he has a—you know—one of the easier goals he's going to score in his career with a tap-in. So the former Shalcoman uh, strikes against us.
0: And it seems that always happen. The former Shaka players come back and, uh, and haunt you, right? And all former players usually haunt their teams. Uh, you can ask Roma about Mosala, you know, if you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so through the first 35 minutes, uh, as you expected with a man up, Gladbach were bossing possession. It was something like 66 to 34%. Um, and then, you know, we, we talked about earlier with the, with the Benteleb yellow and Stendhal making a dive. We said, you know, sometimes there's karma involved. Um, well, that karma would pay off or come back. I guess not pay off. It would come back. Maybe. Um, you know, you hate to see anyone get injured, uh, but in a bit of karma, the man who caused the red car by Benteleb goes out with an ankle injury. At first, I thought he was diving again, uh, but it it was serious enough. He couldn't walk on it. And uh, um, I guess when he got in a collision with uh, Tilo Kerr, he ended up having to get uh, substituted out. Um Yeah. So I don't know if it's karma or just uh, bad luck, uh, but Stindl, uh despite all his antics, he did end up getting hurt, which uh, ended up hurting Goldbug for sure.
1: I absolutely thought that he was faking it again and was going for yet another Oscar in this yeah, match. Yeah, I did Because uh, it didn't look like Tilo Carroll really did anything. If anything, he just sort of bodied him. It wasn't a. I think Tilo Carroll won the ball here too, so it wasn't a particularly dangerous tackle on his part. When you see the replay, however, uh, Stindle Turns his ankle. ankle. Yeah, yeah. Turns bad. his ankle. It, it looked pretty nasty, too. And once you saw that, you realized that uh, this was no joke and was potentially going to cause him some problems. So, I mean, you can say it's karma. Obviously, I'm not I'm not wishing uh, any injury upon any player. Stindle has had a great season as somebody who's potentially in contention for a ticket to Russia uh, yep. this, this summer. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who would love to see that. And, and if he does get that distinction, I don't think that you can say it's unearned. So... I actually haven't followed up on this to see what the extent of the damage was. So if if I'm misinformed about this, then I apologize. But I, I do hope he's okay and that he's he's back soon.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't seen any updates as well. Um, I know when he first fell over, he made the made the substitution signal, and I still thought it was as a dive at that point. But then uh, his teammates came over and, and and medical staff came over, and they did they motioned for the the substitution as well. Uh, that's when you knew it was pretty serious. Then you saw the replays. Um, Cuisance would come on. Uh, the Frenchman would come on for Dindel. Uh, you mean well, it's a- actually, you know, I'm
1: looking this up right now, and apparently he's been ruled out for the World Cup. Oh, what?
0: so it must be a break or something.
1: It must be something bad. So I apologize about not being on top of that before we started talking about this, but I'm looking it up right now, and it looks as though uh, he is done for the rest of the season and is probably out for the World Cup as well. Mm, that's unfortunate. That is very uh, unfortunate. So uh, best wishes to him. Hope he
0: recovers soon. He's a great player.
1: Mm,
0: mm. Well, that's, that's unfortunate, so I will take back my karma my karma statement from earlier, but um, good luck to him on that. Uh, all right, so, you know, it looks like we're going to go into halftime, you know, down a goal, but Chaka finally uh, finds some way to get good possession. Uh, Naldo ends up switching play over to Konoplyanka on the left-hand side. Uh, he's doing his patented move, which he does all the time. The teams seem can't to figure him out. Um, his cross gets handballed by Cromer in the goal in the and the penalty box area. to play continues. You know, Konoplianka's yells to the referee. Uh, Berksler has an opportunity. He takes a shot and misses, and he goes and yells to the referee. VAR gets involved again. VAR raises his head and it says penalty, handballed to Cromer penalty for Schalke. Uh, you okay with the call?
1: I am. Uh, typically, I hate these type of plays. Because a lot of them happen where the defensive player, the player who gets called for the handball, is very close to the player who's taking the shot or the pass or whatever and uh, does not have a lot of time to react. And so often I feel as though these are pretty harsh. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying this was intentional either because I don't think it was. But in this case, I think Cromer's arm was horizontal enough where you could... Fairly make the call that it was in an unnatural position and, and give the penalty So I mean from the Gladbach perspective, I'm probably pretty upset about that and you know If that had happened to a Schalke player, I wouldn't have liked it But I think it was clear enough where you can call it. It could have gone either way and I don't think um, That you know, you can have too many complaints It's definitely something that you would see called that have seen called and probably will see called again. So Schalke by hook or by crook, you know whether it's set pieces, penalties, whatever. We seem to find a way to manufacture some of these, these chances when we need to. Um, and what was this? Our tenth penalty of the season?
0: Yeah, ninth or tenth, something like that. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's crazy. Um, well, you, you said you said the right word. You said unnatural position. Um, I I too, you know, hate these kind of calls because especially when you know the player didn't mean it, uh, but. I think if Cromer's hands were right by his by his side and it hit him, it would be no penalty. Uh, but the fact that his arms are out there, you know, horizontal basically, and, and it hits him, uh, you you can't you have no choice but to call a penalty there. And uh, uh, we had we've had a, a plethora of kick takers of, of the spot kicks this season because we had uh, nine or ten, like we said. Uh, but this time it would be Daniel Caligiuri who would step up. He buries it in the back of the net as he has a few times this season. Uh, so we'd go into halftime
1: one-one. Just one one Uh 100 percent on the season, aren't we? We haven't uh, missed a penalty, right?
0: I believe so. We. I feel like we may have missed one, but no, I think you're right. Uh, I don't think if we have one. missed
1: one I mean it's probably just the one that I think we've been excellent on penalties this season We have I mean not only are we are we getting these calls we're, we're converting them when we get them so we're certainly making the most out of those and, and thank goodness for that because I don't know how many close games we've had where this could have been the difference you know either in terms of getting the win or you know getting a draw so uh, very huge moment in the match going into halftime big for the psychology and big for uh, I think how you would reflect on the first half when it's said and done.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look back at it, you know, you, you lose a first of all, Gladbach is you know, his dominant possession. This is before the red card. Uh, then you get the red card, obviously, to to, to make it even worse. Uh, and then they get a goal. Raphael scores in the thirty whatever second minutes or, or whatever. Uh, so things looking like going down from there. But you know, Schalke did find a way to regroup towards the end of that first half. Um, and because of the good possession that they did have, it did lead to the to the penalty there. So um, overall, you can't be too disappointed with the, with the first half. You you come away even even on the scoreboard and you're down a man. So um, is that basically the same? Uh, what you take away from that first half as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all things considered, I think you would love to be one one after the events of the first half. And uh, you know, Schalke in the second half came out in. I honestly think they probably had the the lion's share of, of the better quality chances, wouldn't you?
0: Uh, yeah, they definitely did. Um, all the all the like major action happened in the first ha- first half, but um, yeah, certainly I think Shaka had the better of their opportunities in the second half. Um, right out right out of right out of the box, uh, teams were exchanging uh, their um so opportunities. Hazard had two opportunities. Greska had a header. Caligiri, uh, Caligiri and Burkseller also had shots. Um, I know in the 61st minute Konpliaka had a great shot to go to go near near post but he missed um trying to think what else um uh...
1: there's one play I want to talk about I forget where it was I think it was Goretzka on a breakaway charging towards the box and he ultimately like scuffs it or just completely loses it and I thought that's been uh, pretty indicative of the kind of performances he's been putting in on the offensive and He has not had... A he does phenomenal... that once a game, it seems like. Yeah, I know. And this is the kind of chance I feel like last season he probably would have buried or at least gotten a, a better <laughs> shot off. Like, there's times he's charging into the box. I'm like, just shoot. Take somebody on it and, like, put something on goal. He, he gets way too cute when he gets into the final third. But, you know, at least he's getting into these dangerous positions. Now and again, I think his performances over the past three weeks have been better than what they had been for you know the bulk of the Rook Arena. So, um, and then you know as we said earlier, at least he's out there, unlike Max Meyer. So I'm not going to come down on him. Yeah, too uh, hard. He, but you know, I saw I saw an article uh, after, not not really an article, more just kind of a match recap saying that you know VAR gets involved in, in steals and an undeserved point for Schalke. And I did not have that opinion of the match at all. You go down a man, you know, ten minutes in. A man and a goal, a half an hour in, and you come back and not only uh, equalize a man down, but look the more likely to go on and win the thing. And I think that's a phenomenal performance from Schalke, to dig deep in.
0: Was it and, a and, Dortmund-based blog?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe it was. Who knows? Um, but I, I was I was quite pleased with, with the second half performance of Schalke and the performance overall. Um, that's huge. You know, we're, we're trying to qualify for the Champions League, and... Uh, Bentila makes a big mistake and puts us in a really bad position early, and it's very easy to just kind of be like, oh, you know, this isn't going to be our day. And then, especially when you go down a, go down a goal, and you have players like Hazard running at you, you, you know, you can just kind of drop the heads and you know, throw in the towel. And this, I mean, that's not been the ML of Tedesco teams all season. I mean, they've been how many late comebacks have we had, right? So I was almost right. fully expecting us to maybe go and steal this, but I was very pleased with the with the heart and the grit and um, the work rate of this team this weekend so it uh, could end up being a very big one point for us
0: and absolutely and I, and I have to agree with you I think it was a, it was a well-deserved point that they that they got in that one because uh they did have the better opportunities in the, in the second half really there's only one big opportunity that I saw from Gladbach and it was in the I think a 74 75th minute um, Hoffman who's given he gave the ball wide to Elvedi uh, really at no angle and he uh, he he takes a shot past fairman luckily he hits the crossbar and it goes out uh, and That was really the only moment that Gladbach had in the second half, for the most part. Schalke were the ones creating opportunities. Um, uh, your boy, uh, DeSanto, he came on uh, late in the game, in the 82nd minute, 81st minute. Uh, he tried to do his uh, Justin Fernandez uh, uh, impersonation from uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. He came on and got a yellow card immediately. Luckily, he didn't get a red card. That would have been uh, that have yeah, been right. some way to end that game, right? Yeah. Um, but the game, a game would end 1-1. Um, like I said, all the fireworks were in the first half. Uh, overall, I, I agree with you. It's definitely a deserved point. Um, I don't know what that Dortmund blog was talking about there, uh, but <laughs> I'm going to claim it's a Dortmund
1: blog at least. One other Dortmund. question for you uh, in terms of how the match went. What's your opinion on McKinney been recently?
0: It seems like ever since he's been, he's been. you know, he sat out those couple games where he. Where he um, bought, I guess uh, Tedesco sat him out. Uh, after he came back from injury, he hadn't been quite the same. It's his impact hasn't been as the same because at the beginning of the season he was very much a bulldog. He's always there that you could see his effects on the game, whether it's uh, defensively or, or send up send up a play offensively. Uh, he hasn't really been. It's been like non-existent almost. It seemed like to me. I don't know. Is that what you're yeah, getting? Yeah, I to? kind of
1: agree. I mean, because he came in in the 64th minute. I don't recall if you mentioned. That. Yeah, for Hurry, for, her, he, he, for her, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Once again, 19 years old, still very young, very inexperienced, hasn't had a ton of minutes up to this point, but really just kind of meh recently from him. And I don't know if we've seen quite the level of development I I would have liked to have seen from him this season, but obviously a lot of time to go. And, you know, with the Goretzka and Max Meyer situation, he figures to get quite a bit of minutes. In the future so hopefully that that comes but uh kind of been a weird quiet end of the season for him so far maybe, maybe that'll change in the last couple of matches but um I, I would definitely like to see more from our young american that we're pulling for
0: yeah and uh last week he got the start and i thought he started the match well there where he was uh, uh jumping on passes by, by the opposition and 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 causing some havoc early on but then he kind of disappeared after that and then this game like you said came on in the 64th minute and it really didn't contribute much um there was there was an appearance by Toykert in the 90th minute it was a late substitution for Konoplyanka um but you know he, he really didn't have much time to do anything um much less breathe uh so Nuremberg yeah. stand up <laughs> that's right uh at least Shuff made a a, a, good, a good job there uh, in this one so yeah, one one. Uh, next week we play Augsburg,
1: right? Um, is, is that Augsburg? true? I honestly, don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm pretty sure we got two games left, right? Yes, I believe so. So
0: it should be Augsburg and then it's Eintracht.
1: So you yeah. are correct. I can confirm. <laughs> so that's good. Augsburg be... matches are always very interesting, too.
0: Yeah, they. It, it's always it's always seems to be goals in those kind of games. Um, you never know what to expect with them. They got they got a good young young player there, and uh, their team is really actually pretty good, uh, mid table team, uh, but they're very much uh, better than where they are on the table. Uh, just the way they play, maybe just the way they play against Schalke. Um, it's uh, it's never an easy game, Not, and the, the, that game always worries me. I don't know about you, but it, it certainly worries me.
1: Absolutely, uh, two points ahead of Dortmund currently. Uh, still in second place, five points ahead of Hoffenheim, who have now leapfrogged Leverkusen. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming You know, maybe five or six weeks ago. I think think people were looking at it being a Leverkusen-Leipzig-Frankfurt conversation for fourth place. Hoffenheim's put quite a little good run here together recently and and snuck in there. We'll see if they can hold on to it. But um, as long as we pick up, what, at least one point this weekend, we will officially lock up Champions League. But Oh, God. It's st- I mean, if we lose both these matches, mm. oh, man. I mean, it's it, we, we just couldn't get the win this weekend, right? It, oh, man. Luckily it, we're, for we're us,
0: Dortmund uh, drew as well. Thank you, Wer- thank you Werder Bremen. Uh, you helped us out tremendously because had they won, it would have been, I think, uh, one point for Dortmund lead maybe. Wait, no. It might have been tied. It would have been tied. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't know who got the goal. I don't know if it's goal differential or head-to-head. It should be head-to-head, but it's probably goal differential, in which case we'd be down to Dortmund. Um, that is correct, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Hoffenheim, they're, they're five points you know, behind us. We have not locked up Champions League as of yet. I think if we get at least one more point in these next two games, we'll lock up Champions League. Um, had we won against Gladbach, we would have we would have got all three points, or we would have got uh, Champions League secured, so Anything can happen. I'm not sure who Dortmund – let's uh, I can't see if I get my app going, see who Dortmund are playing because I'm very curious, Dortmund and Hoffenheim, who they have to play le- uh, next. Hopefully they play each other. That would be very good.
1: But it never that works really out that, that way. I don't know that. Is the tiebreaker head-to-head or is it goal difference? I believe it's goal difference
0: because it's been – early in the season I believe we were tied with Dortmund, but they had the better goal difference on their ahead of us if, as before we played them. So I think that's what it is. So let's see, Dortmund oh, play man. Mainz. Mainz had a big win this weekend, and then Hoffenheim have Stuttgart. Uh, both games are very um, winnable for them. We obviously have Eintracht to close out the season. Uh,
1: what a story Ooh, that was from last game of the season. Did you, did you catch that, by the way? What's that? That, that story from Mainz this weekend where the uh, one of their players who was on the reserve, the reserve squad was pulled off a bus on his way to a match to go start for the, the senior team for Mainz against Leipzig and ends up scoring the winner. Oh, Baku? Yeah, or not the winner. I think it was 3-0, right? Yeah, the penalty yeah. kick? Yeah. yeah, the last goal. So that was oh. that was a pretty incredible story. Oh, Follow wow. your dreams, everybody. Yeah. You there you go. That was pretty cool.
0: So here's Sorry, some drama. Here's some drama. So Absolutely. we're five points up on Hoffenheim, right? Um, say they get three points or we get zero in the next game. So that puts them two points behind us. Uh, but going into the last game... They play against Dortmund. Ooh. It's two and three going at each other. Uh, now, if Hoffenheim win, I mean, it also depends on what Leverkusen are doing as well. Because, I mean, if they they win out the two games and we blow two games, it, they very well could leapfrog us. But um, it's uh, certainly a, a tasty matchup to end the season for Hoffenheim and, and Dortmund, which, which could help, help make or break our Champions League too as well. Um, the last game of the season for Bayer, they go against Hanover. Um, Hanover have been uh, no pushovers as of late, and, and next week Bayer actually played Werder Bremen, who who just drew Dortmund. So um, it's still all to play for. Um, I think a win next game, um, or even a point, probably would lock up Champions League. Uh, let's hope they can do that against Augsburg. Um, Thank God for that? this
1: Champions League race, because Bayern's just chilling with a 24-point lead. I
0: totally forgot
1: Bayern was in this. <laughs> yeah, right. Goal <laughs> difference of plus 65. What is this nonsense? Oh my. Um, also, real quick, R.I.P to cologne who have officially relegated,
0: relegated. And, uh yeah, what about hamburg sad.
1: um although so you know, our bogey team's gone right so <laughs> well there you go <laughs> hopefully that will bode well for us next season but uh hate to see them go down they have a great fan base they're a great club um i would have much preferred to see hamburg go down no offense to any hamburg listeners you may have for some reason have but um no, we may have <laughs> i don't know Maybe Hamburg still will go down. Who knows? But they're 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 trying to pull it off late. Wolfs could end up being the ones who. Can you imagine if Hamburg somehow gets into 16th place and then wins the playoff again? Oh wow! Would that be That'd three be consecutive great. seasons? I where think they, so. Where they win the playoff, get out. They are just surviving. You know, by every. I don't know how they're going to pull this off. I mean, maybe they won't. Maybe Wolfsburg will. Put it so in what the is it, it
0: is. It uh, is. Hamburg goes in a playoff against the team from Bundesliga two.
1: That is correct, yes.
0: Okay, so uh, coming up uh, back to back to the Bundesliga, Fortuna Dusseldorf. It's been a while yeah. since we've seen them. Nuremberg, Schalke's feeder team. Or uh, I mean, what? Uh, Nuremberg's going to be into – they have a very good relationship with Schalke. Uh, so it'll be great to see them back. It'll be fun games for those two teams. Well, that's not
1: good, though, because then we're not going to be able to get any uh, midseason signings from them, probably, because we're going to be in direct competition. That's Our feeder club's going to disappear next season. <laughs> We'll have to find a new one. Yeah, uh,
0: and then Holstein Kiel—they've been, been—they've been a very interesting team. They are a very small club that's done so well in Bundesliga Um I think that uh, them in a playoff with Hamburg or whoever uh, will be very interesting. You got to give the, the edge to to the Bundesliga club, but you never know. Um,
1: I'm going to be completely honest with you. My five to Bundesliga knowledge is not the best. It's I'm I'm kind of ashamed of that. But it's a fun Holst, league to watch. Holstein Kiel—I have never even heard of. They came Same right with small club. Armenia, what is that? Bielfeld. Bielfeld? Yeah. I have not heard of them either. Volkham, Duisburg, English Ingolstadt, Union Berlin. I'm familiar with all of these teams. But Holston, Kiel. Yeah. Uh, not, they haven't locked that up yet either, have they? They have a couple no. games left, right?
0: No, but they got like a five-point lead yeah. on whoever's so behind them. Look,
1: yeah, okay. They're probably going to come up as well or at least have a chance to uh, – Make a playoff. All right, yeah. well, if, if, if Hamburg ends up being in 16th place, then uh, Holston Keel, I am firmly on your bandwagon. Let's
0: go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The small club that could, right? Yeah. Um, so, Shaka fans, that, that was our recap of uh, the game that was 1-1. Um, tell us your thoughts at SO4 underscore Podcasts on Twitter. Uh, Jack, before we get out of here, let's uh, talk about someone we, we picked up but we we forgot to mention with all this drama with Max Meyer-Goretzka, uh, bad bad playing, is a player that is going to be very suitable for us next season. Salif Sane from Hanover ninety six.
1: Yeah, I I can't believe we neglected to mention this on the podcast at some point. So we we apologize about that if we haven't touched on this. But uh, yeah, sneaky good pickup for for us. I'm I'm pretty excited about that. He's a very solid player, kind of a versatile player as well. Can can Papa into a, a holding midfield position if necessary, as well as you know, center back? So, uh, that'll give us depth in two positions where I think we need depth, uh, for sure. Um, you know, Javidez looks like he's unlikely to return to the club. Naldo, as, as phenomenal as he has been, and he has been phenomenal, is not getting any younger. Um, Nastasic has his injury troubles, and, and Karen Stambouli are, you know. Promising, but still have some question marks. And then, of course, Gretzky and Meyer are both leaving in the midfield. So this is a player that can potentially come in and reinforce us in several different positions, and I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I mean, if anything, it's just going to make – I mean, it put, put Zane and Naldo on the pitch at the same time. Is there, oh. is, there is there a team in the Bundesliga that's going to win a single aerial duel against us all? I, no. mean, that, I mean, that's just insane. That's probably two of the best jumpers and – Headers of the ball uh, in the Bundesliga—that that would be a pretty dangerous combination. I'm my mouth is watering thinking of the set piece opportunities. That we they may have.
0: they may cancel each other out on spot those corner kicks and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, uh, We will actually be good at, at, at set pieces next year. Oh wait, we are this year too. Um, we we hope you hope we're going to be just as good next year, if not better, uh, yeah. with Sane. So I think Sane is a a, a a great pickup because not only you see an extra. Big center back, that a very good center back that can you know he can complement Naldo and he calls to replace Naldo, give him some rest. Maybe he maybe Naldo has a step back. Who knows? I mean, it's, he's he's thirty five years old, so
1: we should um, just play him on the left wing and pretend that we have Leroy Zane back.
0: <laughs> you could do that, um, but I I got another idea for him. Um, keep the back three or well, a back three of what we've had this season for some for most of the, most of the season it was in the Stasic. put Sane in the in the number six a six role. that I think he could play because um, he seems to be very comfortable with his feet as well. Um, I mean, I don't know how he would do in that role, but you know, to have another big man on the pitch, uh, he could drop back in defense obviously to help out, but um, put him in the midfield maybe if, if if you don't have one there for McKinney or Bentaleb or someone else, um, that would be an interesting role I think for him. You just got to get him on the pitch.
1: Um, yeah, McKenny or Bentaleb in, in in the eight position, maybe Zane in the 6th. That, that would be interesting to see how it's going to shake out.
0: Yeah, so uh, definitely definitely big about big on this guy. I'm mean, big on the signing. Uh, back in December, Bundesliga fanatic had an article called "The Underrecognized Hero of Hanover: Salif Sane." Um, Love
1: the alliteration there. Hero yes, Hanover, yes, good, good writing.
0: Uh, so, the, a real little extra, real quick, out of this, it said: Sane twenty seven is having a high quality breakout season for the Ninety Sixers that any Bayern player would be proud to claim. Uh, he has been selected man of the match six of the twelve league matches up to that point, uh, and he's played and he, uh, that he's played in twice as many awards as any other Bundesliga player, not named Arturo Vidal. Um, so he's been he's been having excellent performances for uh, for Hanover. Um, I did not realize he is a Frenchman. Um, what does it say here? I'll have to tweet this article out for people to read it. Um, it just goes on and on about um, the rating, the, the, I guess, uh, his statistics uh, during the season. It says uh, he wins uh, 81 of his duels in the air, uh, and uh, he's had some shots hit the post this season, which um, he was also named UEFA Team of the Week uh, early in the season as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a good article from Bundesliga Fanatics. You just definitely check it out um Salif Sané uh excellent pickup by Schalke and like I said we we would have mentioned this before uh but we've just been caught up so much in the poor play by Schalke and then yeah, the whole drama that is you know Meyer and Goretzka and, and yeah. er, everyone else so uh our apologies to that but that is a massive pickup for us and uh with Mark Uth uh, I'm just curious to see what we do in the offseason um Uh, Who else we bring in because we definitely need to bring in some players and not lose anybody. You know, we have to increase that depth. If we're going to be in Champions League, uh, we need to have more depth than what we currently have because putting out the same lineup every week for the most part uh, is not going to cut it. These guys are going to get tired. And we saw that in a couple matches this season where the guys definitely looked tired um, and weren't playing to their best. And you can even look at the the semifinal DFB Pokal against Eintracht Frankfurt. We just didn't seem to have all the energy that we had maybe early in the season. Um, So, we need to get some depth there, and hopefully we can get it this off offseason. Um, anything you uh, want to end end on that note on? Uh,
1: quick shout-out and thank you to uh, Marco G. I'm going to butcher your handle here, so I'm not even going to say it, but Marco G, and then also um, Sasha at Harit04, who is uh, a very good Schalke account to follow, three times as many followers as me, so there you go. Um, tweets about Schalke pretty consistently. Both of them helped me with the translation of – Heidel's interview tonight uh, I do not speak German in case you didn't know I, I can pick out you know uh, small phrases and words and kind of Sonne, general Meyer, yeah, yeah, no, yeah I, can get, I can get the general <laughs> gist of certain things but a lot of the detail is sometimes lost on me so uh, I appreciate both of them helping me out with uh, sort of the English transcription of what was going on in that interview so uh, shout out to them and, and toss them a follow if you see them. Uh, as for me JM Mangan J M M A N G A N. On Twitter, uh, two games to go. Let's finish out strong. Get back to the Champions League, eh?
0: Jack, I'm hurt. You got a you have a, a translator here with you on the podcast, and you go elsewhere for your for your services. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's great. That's yeah, you great. You got to charge have- me. That's just true. That's a very good point. So, no, thank you. Thank you to the Shaka fans uh, for helping us out. Uh, we we can't work out with contributing to us and contributing to our podcast. We, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, we also want to thank uh, Shaka, Fox Soccer, Optifrans, Bundesliga fanatic with that article. We'll, we'll retweet on Salif Sana. You definitely need to read it and, and learn more about this player. And the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. Uh, once again, I am your host, Richard Carman, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K H A R M A N. Jack, you were uh recently on the Your uh, Kings of Euro podcast, or what's the podcast Critty has?
1: Yeah, the Kings of Europe podcast hosted on the uh the four platform, Fields of Anfield uh Road. Uh Critty Smith, uh who appeared with us recapping the Dortmund match, um is running that. I appeared on that. I forget if I plugged that last week or not, but we had a, a very interesting conversation about uh, a lot of things, European football, Champions League, you know, the Roma, Liverpool tie, Real Madrid, Bayern, uh, also the Serie A race, which is very much your wheelhouse and not mine, right? Um, <laughs> the Serie A talk, uh, but, you know, I, I gave my best shot at that, and talked about Man City's place in history, a lot of things. It was it was a lot of fun to uh, talk about something other than Schalke, as much as I do enjoy that, I am a fan of, you know, the European game in general as well, so that was a lot of fun. Definitely give that a listen I think I retweeted that maybe I'll go back and retweet that again uh, check that out listen yeah, to those episodes listen to all of our friends of course you know whether it's Tyler Dunn uh, the guys at Hand Frank Frankfurt you know and any of those people they're all they're all good people and do, and do excellent work so uh, definitely support them as well not just us
0: I am actually going to take Jack's lead I am also going to join Critty's podcast uh, Kings of Europe uh, podcast this Wednesday so uh, stay tuned for that next week uh, on top of this podcast here so uh, thank you to everyone who listens and, and tunes in each and each week. We really appreciate it. Um, until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoof